Okay, good morning, Boker Tov, and Shavua Tov, and a good winter, and a good Yor, and it is amazing to be back together in person, live. Woo! All right, everyone, it's great to see you. Those who are here, have a cup of coffee. Everyone has a bottle of water, granola bar, refreshments. And uh, if you live in the area and you're not back yet, close your computer, get in your car. You can still make the end of this year today, but certainly next week and beyond. Torah should be learned in person. We're not going to spend time on this right now. Maybe I'll write something up at one point. But, you know, Chazal, our rabbis emphasize that ever since the Torah was given at Har Sinai, we are trying to recreate and emulate and model that exact experience. The Torah is given, the Torah was given with a sense of trembling and awe and fear and the whole nature, all the laws of the way that we transmit Torah were learned from the original transmission, the original gift of Torah at Har Sinai. Nobody tuned into Har Sinai online. It wasn't streamed, Matan Torah. It wasn't on YouTube, it wasn't on Zoom. We were around the mountain, and there was lightning and thunder, and there was electricity, literally, and there was an exchange of energy, and there was a palpable feeling of being in the presence of the Almighty, that He was speaking to us, that we were in a room together. And that is the ideal, that is the way that Torah is meant to be transmitted. It's the way that Torah is meant to be studied and learned. So you, if you're still listening online, Next week, get in your car and come. We've got your coffee, we've got your refreshments, we've got a safe and secure section, masks and distancing for those who want. But we are meant to be back in person. And for those who are still online, and it's understandable, there are those who are vulnerable, there are those who are at risk, there are those for whom it's not yet safe to come back in person. We feel your pain and we long to be together again. But make sure to remember, this is not the ideal. Sitting in your gatkas on the couch, you know, conveniently uh, doing uh, multitasking seven things at once, vacuuming your carpet or mopping your floor while you're listening to the shir. Nobody at Har Sinai, when the Torah was given, no one was texting or emailing, but certainly nobody was doing the dishes, the laundry, or mopping. We're meant to be together in person, and I hope everybody will continue to come back. For those who are here, it is great to see you, and please, God, we will fill the Rand Sanctuary once again. I want to thank our generous sponsors for the year. Becky and Avi Katz, a family in memory of Becky's father, David Grossman, Lila Nishmas, David, Ben, Menachem, Monash. We're very grateful for their friendship, their sponsorship, their generosity for the year. Thank you very, very much. This morning, Shir Parshas Noach is also sponsored by Michael and Peggy Hirschkowitz in honor of Michael's father, Yitzchak Ben Chaim Tzviz Yurtzad, is on the 8th of Cheshvan. His Neshama Shadav and Aliyah. Thank you so much for your generosity as well. And please note, our other Shirim are also live. So tomorrow morning, the women's emuna. Men can listen online, but the women are invited back in person. Again, coffee refreshments tomorrow morning, 8.45. Really excited. Behind the Bima resumes next week, and we're going to come out in the next couple of days. You will be blown away by our list of guests. And with that, we begin Parshas Noach, page 30 in the Art Scroll Stone Chumash. And we begin Parshas Noach. Eila told us Noach, Noach, You're back in person, by the way. Those who don't remember, some of us struggle with our memory, and now we're bordering on two years since before this pandemic. You happen to be in a shul, it happens to have chumashim, feel free to have a chumash and follow inside. They're available outside in the lobby, or for today you can listen comfortably as well. Sayyidah told us, Noach, Noach, Yishtadik, Tamah, Noach. These are the offspring that told us. These are the progeny, these are the children of Noach. 
And then the Torah doesn't list the children of Noah. We discussed this last year. We discussed this every year. Noah had biological children. Noah had progeny. He had children. And yet, the Torah gives this introduction. Ela told us Noah. These are Noah's children. And then it doesn't list his children until the next Pasuk, Shem, Cham, and Yafes. Ela told us Noah, Noah. These are the offspring of Noah, and they are Noah. So before we answer that question, Parshish Noah begins every year, the discussion, which we're not going to get back into. We've discussed countless times in the past. But the ageless debate, the Jewish people can be divided, arguably the whole world. Students of the Bible can be divided into two groups. Those who love Noah, those who see him as a hero, and those who see him as a zero. Those who vilify, ah, but Rosav, nothing special, nothing great. Relatively speaking, they were so wicked, they were so evil. Yeah, compared to them, he was pretty good. But had he lived in the generation of Avram, he would have been a nothing. You wouldn't have even heard his name. And others would say, are you kidding? We are only here. There is only a humanity, a continuity of the world because of Noah. And the world is divided into those two groups. I have a dear friend in our community, whoever here is bitter that we vilify Noah. Noah was a good guy, why does he get a bad rep? It's not right, we should have Kiddush every year, Pasha's Noah, in honor of Noah. But I want to share with you what I saw, an interesting, uh, a fascinating insight, a fascinating insight on this question. Rashi says, Some of our rabbis study this Lashvach, it's a praise. He was good in that generation. Imagine if he were surrounded by those who lifted him. Imagine if he were surrounded by a positive peer pressure, who Noah could have been. Yeah, only for his generation. Good. So says Rav Yechezkel of Kushmir, says Rav Yechezkel of Kushmir, the great tzaddik, Kocha ugdulasa shal tzaddik tamim, nimdadim bekach, sheyesh dorshim asol shvach. Listen to this insight. He says, you know what, Sadiq? Somebody who's righteous. A righteous true leader is somebody who some praise and some criticize. If you have a leader who is beloved unanimously by all, who has no detractors and no critics, Simon Muvak, Ki Adam Zemale Sheker, the Chanufa. An individual who is loved by absolutely everybody, unanimously, universally, is a fraud. Is somebody who is, has no integrity. Someone who doesn't stand for something. Because if you stand for something, if you're building something, if you have values and ideas and ideals, you'll never have everybody on board with you. I find this reassuring. So yeah, if you want to stand for nothing, and you want to make everybody happy, you could promise everybody what they want, you could tell everyone you are exactly in their image, you could tell each person you voted for their candidate, you root for their team, you wear their yarmulke, you're part of their ashkaf, you'll change your children to their school, you stand for nothing if you're beloved by all. Luma zos manik misnagdim, says Rebichezka Kushmir, a manik, a leader, somebody who also has detractors, who is people who say, I hope I respect him, but I disagree with him. I'm critical of him. When it comes time for the vote, I am not renewing his contract. Simon Baru, she'enenu nosepanam le'ish elat hatzedek va'emes ner l'raglov. You see that this is a person who has integrity. This is a person who stands for something. This is a person who doesn't blow with the wind and is not trying to make everybody happy. So another, it says Rabbi Cheskov Kushmir, Noach is an ish tzadik. How do you know he's an ish tzadik? 
because Tanim Haya Bidorosav. The fact that Yej Dorshim Shvach and Yej Dorshim the very fact that he has a mixed voting record, the very fact that not everybody loves him, is evidence that he's a tzaddik. Because if you're less than a tzaddik, you can get everybody to love you. If you're a real tzaddik, you stand for something, then at the end of the day, not everybody's going to love you. I also am reassured every year on Purim when we get to the end of the Megillah. Mordechai, Ish Yehudi, Mordechai saves the Jewish people of Shushan. Arguably saves the Jewish people, the continuity of rabbinic Judaism the way we know it. And it's time to vote for Mordechai's contract. And what does the Megillah tell us at the very end? He's Ratzoi Lerov Echav. Gets a majority. Gets a majority. He saved them. He risks his life, his marriage to Esther, puts it all on the line. And they have a congregational vote. Mordechai saved our lives. The gallows were prepared. The gas chambers were ready. We were all on our way there, and he saved us. Let's vote on his contract. Got a majority. Got a majority. You know, they're always their detractors. When I was streaming, Baruch Hashem, we're back live, in case you haven't heard, those of you who are online. So the Shabbat Shiva Joshua, you know, when we stream online, so the class gets scheduled on YouTube even before it happens. So I scheduled the Shabbat Shiva Joshua, that Motei Shabbos, and I went to give the drusha, and I saw someone had given it a thumbs down. I hadn't given the drusha yet. <laughs> they gave it a thumbs down before it began. That's Rovechav. That's the detractor who says, I don't care what he has to say. Before he even begins, I can tell you I don't like it. I don't like it before he even opens his mouth. Rovechav, Rovechav. So yesh dorshim shvach, yesh dorshim lagnai. That's evidence that he is a, that he is a tzaddik. It's the beautiful insight of the Leif Simcha. The Leif Simcha of Simcha Bunam Alter of Ger, one of the Ger Rebbes, 1898 to 1992. And the Leif Simcha says the following. When the Torah is testifying about Noah's greatness, just in this opening Pasuk, again, we've spent so much time on it in past years, I'm sharing new insights. This year, we could spend the entire hour just on this opening Pasuk, which you could say about any Parsha in the Torah, and we actually have tried that. But we're going to get further this year. Ela told us Noah. So what is Noah's greatness? Which is the Shvach? Yesh Dorshim Lashvach. Some praise Noach. Lishvach. What is the praise of Noach? Which word? Look at the opening Pasuk. We're going to reward the people again until we fill the sanctuary again, Amir Tashem. We're going to reward the people who sh showed up in person. Not only with your delicious granola bar, but we're going to reward you and your cup of coffee and your water. If that doesn't bring you here, I don't know what will. So we're going to reward you. Which word in this opening Pasuk is the Shvach? Yesh Dorshim Lashvach. We can read this and darshan this opening pasuk, the praise of Noah. We're singing his praise. Which word? Tzadik. Excellent. Gordon says Tzadik. Tzadik, righteous. Who does not want to be labeled a Tzadik? That appellation, that title, Tzadik. I don't mean, you know, I have some friends who see everybody like Tzadik. How are you, Tzadik? What's going on, Tzadik? They call a Russian Marusha eating on the Vela on Yom Kippur on his way out of McDonald's. Tzadik, I haven't seen you in a year. It dilutes the whole word Tzadik if you use it to describe anybody. But here the Torah is not just anybody. The Rebonish, when the Almighty is testifying about Noah, Tzadik. So good, Gordon says, Shvach. You know what the praise of Noah is? The first word we're praising with is Tzadik. Any other suggestion? Good. Second shvach is, Yonina says, Tomim. Noach is a Tomim. You know what it means to be a Tomim? Pure and holy to be a, a Tomim. Tomim is a very, very high level. You know what the Balai Musr say? Come Friday night, you come to the Shabbos table, 
And it's time for Lacha Mishnah. You have to make Hamotzi, Lacha Mishnah. Smichas Chavah, we're going to learn about Lacha Mishnah. We're very excited. So, Lacha Mishnah, two loaves, just the way it was to commemorate the Mon, the Midbar, the loaves that fell before Shabbos. Two loaves. So let's say you have on the table, you have an enormous challah, like a simcha challah. I don't know who dreamt this up. But I mean, you're hosting the Shabbat Brachas, the Bar Mitzvah, you got a challah the length of this entire table. Huge challah. And next to it's a tiny little challah roll. Now the huge challah, it turns out that the two-year-old got into it on Erev Shabbos, grabbed a piece, took it out. You can hardly notice. It's an enormous challah. It's a six-foot challah, and the little piece that somebody pulled out of it, the little grandson, you know, you turn it underneath, you pack it, you push it together a little bit, nobody will notice. Next to it, you have a tiny little challah roll. A little challah roll. And the challah roll is not missing any piece. Which do you make hamotziyam? What's the halacha? So the post can say the halacha is a tamim, a shalim, supersedes something gadol. Which is more important, to be whole or to be great? So the halacha is you make hamotzi on the one that's whole, not the one that's great. And the Balei Musa say, you see from this halacha that you make hamotzi on the one that's whole, even if it's tall, small, rather than the one that's large, that's great, if it's missing something, that being whole is more important than being large, than being great. Than being great. So tamim, Noach is a tamim, good. Says the Leif Simcha, says the Rebbe. You know the shvach of Noach is long before you get to the word tzaddik or tamim. Which word? Ish. Zok the Leif Simcha, Noach ish tzaddik tamim, gam ish hu lashon shevach. To be an ish is also praise. Doesn't mean a male over a female, a man over a woman. We're not talking gender specific. Ish means a mensch, to be a mensch. Noach is an ish. He's a mensch. Man up. Man up. I gave a series several years ago called Man Up. I took men, put them in a room and said, man up. Help clear the table. Give your kids a bath. Say nice things to your spouse. Man up. You want to improve your romance, your intimacy? You got to man up. Provide for your family. Protect your family. Never get angry and lose your cool with your family. What does it mean? I, my wife can give the woman up. I'm in no position to give that. It should also be given. Not suggesting all the blame, direction, focus should be on one gender. But ish, ish, to be an ish is nishpashit. It's not so simple to be a man. We're living in a generation that people don't know what it means to be a man. To provide, to protect, to support, to love, to be verbally affectionate, to take care of, to be a mensch. To be a mensch. What does it mean to be an ish? What does it mean to man up? Says the Leif Simcha, says the Gerebbe, Yesh Dorshim L'Shvach, before you get to the praise of Noach, that he's a tzaddik, before you get to the praise of Noach, that he's a tamim, Ish. Ish alone is a praise. He's a man. He's a man. He manned up. God said, build an ark. He said, where are the tools? Where's Home Depot? I'll get started. He manned up and he saved the entire world. He saved the entire world. That's what it means. And the Leif Simcha's grandson said about his Saba, that the order of the Pasuk is important. This is the order that we grow. We begins the foundation, ish. It begins be a mensch. Then strive to be a tzaddik. Some people try to skip being a mensch. They try to go to be a tzaddik before they're a mensch. The shakal and the, they, the way they hold themselves and carry themselves and the way they speak and the way they present. But a tzaddik. They try to present, I'm a tzaddik, but they skip the step, be an ish. Be a mensch before you become a tzaddik. Ish, be a mensch, be a tzaddik, be righteous, and tamim, be whole, be pure. Tamim tiyem Hashem alokecha.
So the Lev Simcha's grandson said that it's not coincidental, as Zayda said, this avort, Ish is the first shvach, is the first praise, and it is specifically in this order. And it reminds me, if you go back to Siddur snippets many moons ago, in Siddur snippets we shared, we say in the morning as part of our davening, what do we say? La'olam adam In our davening, in Berchas HaShachar, one of the most beautiful tefillos, we begin the day with a Musa Shmuz. That feel is a musashmus. La'olam, forever, yea, adam, yere shemayim, always be God-fearing, have awe of God. The Goli of Asesar. Some people, again, publicly, they have a lot of awe of God. When the cameras are on, when the lights are on, when the people are watching, they have a lot of God-fearing. And when the cameras are off and nobody's watching, it's time to fill out the income tax return. It's time to daven at home. The Shemona Esrei is one-tenth of the length of the Shemona Esrei when the whole world's watching. So that's the usual touch. The usual understanding is, Be consistent. Be consistent publicly and privately. But the Balei Musr, again, Balei Musr means, I don't know who said it, but the Balei Musr say it. The Balei Musr say, don't read it that way. Read it instead, punctuate it differently. Always be a mensch. Just like here. Ish, tzaddik, tamim. Begins with being an ish before you're a tzaddik or a tamim. It begins with being a mensch. Okay, that is the lev, that is Rabbi Cheskel Kushmir and the lev Simcha. Third, the Beni, the Beni Shchai. Zog the Beni Shchai. What does it mean Eila told us Noach? What does it mean Eila told us Noach? Before Corona, I didn't need these. Now I do. Baruch Hashem, I never had Corona. It has nothing to do with Corona. It has to do with the passage of time. Eila told us Noach. Noach. Let's go back to the question that we had asked. We said, if I say Eila told us Goldberg, okay, so now list the children. Good, I know the rest of their names, but you don't need that right now. Eila told us, these are their children, list the children. Here we say, Eila told us Noach, these are the children of Noach. Noach. That's a little strange. It's not till the next pasuk. Eila told us Noach, his children are listed. Shem Chaim and Yafes. What's going on? Says the Ben Ishchai, Kisha Adam Noach b'Midosav v'Diburo imabrios hine b'Zei Yelochein be'Einayim ve'Akol ohavimoso. Noach is Kishmo Kachu. Noach, his defining character trait, is like his name. He's Noach. He's Ben Noach. What does it mean to live Ben Noach? Noach means calm and cool and collect. There are people, there's such drama that surrounds them. Everything is drama with them. They fly off the handle, they raise their voice, they create drama. They're the center of the universe, they're jealous and envious. There's just drama. Everything's with flair and anger and a loud voice and drama. Noah is Noah. It's the exact opposite. Calm and cool and collect and peaceful. And you know what people love, says the Ben Ishchai? Hakol ohavimoso. Everybody loves the person who's been Noah. Noach. That's the way we're supposed to speak to people, is to be Noach. So Eila told us Noach, you know what the result, the progeny, the offspring of living a life Noach? Noach. You want a life of peace and tranquility? You want a life of happiness? then live peacefully and tranquilly. Don't raise your voice and you'll have calm in your life. Live with drama and flair and high decibel levels and you'll have a lot of drama in your life. So says the Ben Ishchai, that's the answer. What do you mean, Eila told us Noach, Noach? Should be Eila told us Noach, Shem Chaim V'yafes. No, no, no. Eila told us living a life of Noach. This is the result 
of living a life of being Noach. Live a life of being Noach. This is the Ramban's instruction to his son. In the Geras Ramban, when the Ramban writes a letter to his son, the Ramban tells his son that a person should habituate themselves Always speak to everybody Calmly. And that's how you'll save yourself from ever getting angry. Never get angry. If you are committed to never raise your voice, even when you're angry and you're about to raise your voice, you say, whoa, whoa, I made a promise. I made a pledge. I'm trying to create a habit of not raising my voice. And then you'll force yourself to become, you'll settle and relieve the anger that's building. So always speak to everybody, and you save yourself from anger. So says the Ben Ishchai, Eila told us Noach, the result, the offspring of living a life of Noach is Noach. A beautiful insight of the Ben Ish, of the Ben Ishchai, of the Ben Ishchai. Okay, the Likute Halachas of Breslov, the Heligar of Nachman, Zok the Likute Halachas. I told you I got this new set of Mikros Gedolas. The classic Mikros Gedolas has the Rishonim. A few Achronim, Kliyakad or mostly the Rishonim. This is a Chasidisha Mikros Gedolas that was just put out. Pardes, Pshat, Remez, Drash, Sod, and it has this Fasemis, Nikdushas, Levi, the Babacharev, and the Bashem Tov, and the Magad of Mezrich, and the Zohar. It's fantastic. I understand 10% of it, and it's fantastic what I understand. One day, we'll be Zohar to understand more. Says Reb Nachman, says Lekutei Alachas, the teachings of Reb Nachman. Eila told us Noach, Perish Rashi, told us to fit all of that on the page. And it is. Perish Rashi, told us, I'm not self-conscious at all about wearing them. Perish Rashi, told us, Sem Shal Tzadikim Masim Tovim. What are the offspring of a person? What are the offspring? What are the children that we leave behind? Are our masim tovim. They are our good deeds. Ki atzadik matzal machai nefashos. Because atzadik is not living a self-centered, narcissistic, egotistical life. Atzadik is not all about what I want, what I need, what gives me pleasure. Atzadik says, I'm here to serve. What difference can I make? How can I transform the world? And then when you make that difference, when you transform the world, when you have that impact, those are your children. Those are your children. The legacy we leave is not only the children we leave. Nebuch, there are people who don't have children. It's among the most painful things in the world. The Gemara tells us it's experiencing a piece of death even while you're alive. We daven, we say a special tefillah every year before Kol Na'arim. We daven for those who are longing to have children. Every year I publicize anyone can give me names. And there were over 200 names that we daven for this year. 200 people. Now, it was beautiful. Someone posted online, oh yeah, last year I sent in my niece's name. She's due in a few weeks. You get that once, not because of our tefillah, because of all of our tefillahs. It's a beautiful thing. There are many, many, many people longing to have children. It's painful. It's unbearably painful. But maybe one of the points of comfort that we can offer is Eila told us, Noach, Noach. We don't only leave biological children, we leave spiritual children. We don't only leave behind physical offspring, we leave behind a spiritual legacy. A spiritual legacy. Lubavitcher Rebbe, Aleinu, had no children. Is there, is there anyone in the 20th century, in modern times, who left behind a greater legacy, who continues to have a bigger impact, who had more children? Lubavitchers born today who never met the Rebbe consider themselves his children. It's possible. Ela told us Noach. That's what the Rav Nachman's Likutei Alachos says. Ki atzadik matzal machayin nefashos. Aideh shemashbir beham or haemunah misikas adas. Because we bring the light of sweetness of faith in this world. V'Noach lashan menucha v'simcha. The word Noach comes from menucha. We're bringing in a world of chaos. In a world, it's a mabel. If you haven't looked outside recently, we are living in a mabel. It is a moral mabel. 
It is a health crisis pandemic mabul. It is a financial mabul, if you've been watching the stock market recently. It is a mabul. It's a mabul. So where do you find menucha? Where can we find peace in this mabul? Hachayim ha'amitim, in true life, chayim shal menucha v'das. You want peace, you want tranquility, you want joy, you want happiness, you want fulfillment, you want meaning. Elahim told same shal tzadikim. We don't only leave behind children. And by the way, another enormous pain. People who have biological children but who don't follow in their way. Who may be off the derech or are on their own derech, on a different derech. It's unbearably painful for parents too. Those aren't your only children. Those aren't your only children. You can be 70, 80, 90 years old and your children have chosen a different path than you. And you're devastated. And you say, this is what I'm leaving behind. This is my legacy. You're not done yet. Go impact the world. Go make a difference in people's lives. Go leave a spiritual legacy and you're not done yet. Ela told us, Noach says of Nachman, Noach. Before you get to Shem Cham V'yafes, before we get, we think that we're done, we're washed up, we're retired. What's my legacy? My children, my Enoch, my grandchildren. I'm done. There's nothing left in me. No. Ela told us, Noach, Noach. The legacy, the difference that we leave. So, so when there's a mabul outside, there's a mabul outside. The world is a cesspool. It's a swamp. Morally, ethically, lewd, licentious, morally depraved, corrupt, compromised. It's a mabul we're living through. It's an absolute mabul we're living through. So what do you do to save yourself in a mabul when there's a flood going on? What did Noah do? What did he get into? What do you have to climb inside? Not a trick question. Come on, prove to the people online there are people here. Thank you very much. What do you have to get inside? Have you climb inside the? The teva. What's a teva? The word teva means ark, but you know what else the teva means? It's right behind me. There's a teva, there's an ark that's holding the Torah. The word teva also means word. Word, not like rappers say, you know, word up, word. But word meaning words, the words that we read and that we learn. So what is the word? Says Rav Nachman, when there's a mabul all around us, we have to find refuge, safety, and security, immerse ourselves in the teva of Torah and tefillah. We immerse and we protect ourselves in the ark of Torah and tefillah. So the Hashem Tov taught, when there's a mabul and you climb into the teva, it's the teva of Torah and tefillah. If we want to be centered, we want an anchor, we don't want to be washed out into the flood. Fifteen members of Biras just returned late last night. They were in New Orleans, New Orleans. apparently I mispronounced it. New Orleans. They were in New Orleans. They were helping after the most recent uh, hurricane devastation. Beautiful volunteer trip. Chesed, you should see the pictures. An incredible trip. Service learning. Service learning. A flood. You see the devastation that's wrought by a flood. How do we protect? By climbing in a teva. What's a teva? Not just an ark. The teva of Torah and tefillah. Noach, he adds, Menucha Shabbos. Noach, the rest, the peace, the tranquility of Shabbos. Isa Mizor, HaKadosh HaLapasach, Noach, Noach. It says, Ela told us Noach, Noach. Why does it say the word Noach two times? Because there's a Noach Le'ela and a Noach Le'tata. There's an upper Noach and a lower Noach. What's Noach's greatness? He walked with God. How do we experience peace, tranquility, spiritual fulfillment and meaning when we walk with God? 
When we don't live and experience this world where we think, I'm in charge, I'm in control, it's all up to me, but we live and we navigate this world, God, you're right by me. You're right with me. Arm in arm, we are confronting the world and we are going to take on the world and we're going to transform and repair the world and I'm not afraid because you're with me. It's tomorrow, Shir, living with Amuna. Everything is for a reason. Nothing is random. There is no chance. There are no coincidences. That's how I have Noach. That's how I have Noach. So, you know, someone sent me in the Amuna Shir. I always say, if you have an Amuna story, share it with me and I share it in the Shir. So someone sent me last night and I'll read it tomorrow in the Shir. But let's just say someone was at the airport, online, running out of time. So when you start to panic and when you start to get nervous and angry, it doesn't make the line go faster. It just makes you lose years of your life. But if you stay Benoach, if you stay Noach, if you're calm, cool, and collect, so now, Noach, your life is Noach. Your life is Noach. When do we have that most? On Shabbos. Shabbos is Noach. That's why Yonah Matzachet. We read on, on, on Shabbos the story, the impact of Noach, because that's when we are most Noach. Okay, a couple more, and then I told you we're going to get past the first Pasuk. I promised you. We're going to get past the first Pasuk. Kedush is Levi. Levi Yitzchak. Oh, what a beautiful Levi Yitzchak. Levi Yitzchak of Berditcher, the Halek Berditcher, has also an amazing, magnificent insight on Noach. And he says the following. I'm not going to read to you inside. Okay, I'll read it to you inside. Fine, you convince me. Noach is sadly talking about Yosef. Rashi writes, Noach, if, we'll skip ahead a couple of psukim. Noach climbs into the Teva. It takes him a long time to build it. Rashi tells us God was buying time, let all the neighbors see, and uh, the HOA can complain, let everything uh, wonder what's going on here, and why did Hashem design it that it would take so much time? Hopefully Noach would succeed in transforming everybody. He would inspire everybody. Big fail. Didn't happen didn't happen, but he did get the Teva done. Now, it says that it began to rain and Noach went in the Teva, and Rashi tells us, why does it tell it to us specifically in that order and in that way? Because Noach only climbed into the Teva when? When it began to rain. In other words, God said, get in the Teva, big flood coming, big earthquake, big hurricane, big tsunami, get in the, get in the Teva. He said, yeah, maybe, maybe it will, maybe it won't, maybe it'll change your mind, hopefully it won't happen. Only when he climbed into the Teva was when it began to rain. Rashi tells us why. So Rashi says something. It sounds disparaging. It sounds critical. What does Rashi say? Why does Noach wait to climb into the Teva till it rains? Mikatne emunahaya. Because Noach was diminished in his emuna. What? Noach? Ish. Tzadik. Tamim. He didn't go to the emuna shir. He wasn't on the emuna WhatsApp. He had less emuna than our kindergartners. Are you kidding me? Mikatne emuna had less emuna? That's the classic understanding, and it's a very schwer understanding. How do you understand that? So the Halik of Bedichever, Levi, who always is giving the benefit of the doubt and the credit and always seeing the good, says of Levi, it's like a Bedichever. You know what Mikatne Amuna means? Not that Noach didn't have faith in God. In whom did Noach lack faith? In himself. In himself. Why didn't Noach daven? Why didn't he daven? It says he's ish tzadik tamim bedorosov. How could you say katne amuna? That's why the Kedusha Slavi is on this Pasuk. How could you say that Noah was katne amuna, that he was diminished in his faith? He's the same person that we're saying is an ish tzadik and a tamim. So the one who's described as tzadik and tamim is the same one who you're saying lacked faith? Can't be. Yefshar, can't be. Says the Kedusha Slavi, yesh lomar, yesh tzadik shekobet sono lavaras Hashem umamen sheish lakoch be'elyonim, ulahani go lomas kirtzono. There's the tzaddik who has faith in God and just wants to impact God for himself. 
יש שעובד את השם והוא שפר בעיני עצמו, וחושב בליבו שאינו רואה ולא לסבל על הגזירה. So there's the tzaddik who takes the generation on his shoulders. There's the tzaddik who says, you know, God, you created me and you gave me a mouth and you gave me the capacity to communicate and the reason you gave it to me is to advocate, is to fight, is to lobby. And there's the one who says, who am I? And what am I? I'm a nothing, I'm a nobody, who am I? I'm inconsequential, what difference will I make? That was Noach. Noach said, he thought humility meant walking around saying, who am I and what am I and I'm a nobody. Mikatne Amuna. He didn't lack faith in God, he lacked faith in himself. How many great discoveries, innovation, how much advocacy, how much of a difference has not happened in this world because people didn't believe in themselves. They failed to believe in themselves. There was actually one of the winners of the Olympics. They just had the Olympics recently. One of the gymnasts afterwards when she received her medal said something like, take that, my first grade teacher. And afterwards they interviewed her. It wasn't so appropriate. But she said, you know, one of her teachers told her she was going to be a nothing and was she wasting her time on this gymnastics and all this other stuff. And she basically said, I had to overcome someone in my life who said I was a nothing. We have voices in our own head who tell us we're a nothing. You'll never make a difference. You don't matter. Why bother? Who are you to be on that committee? Who are you to be the chair? Who are you to run with that great idea? Who are you to be the gabai and found a new minion? Who are you to try to make a difference? No. Shem says every one of us have to go and run and make a difference. So that's the, that's the Hele uh, Kedusha Slevi. I've shared it before. So those of you who listened to past years, don't email me later. I know you, oh, very nice. You used the Kedusha Slevi again. I know I've shared it before, but I want to expand on it. Why? Because I'll tell you a Hele Ga'ariya Kadosh. The Ari, the great mystic, had a tradition. Likutei Torah and Parshas Kisisa. He says, you know who the Gilgul of Noach is? The Gilgul of Noach. Do we believe in Gilgulim? Gilgulim are reincarnations. This is a big debate. Sadiqo and others, not clear cut at all. This is a big debate among the Rishon. Do we believe in reincarnation? Not for now. We could talk about it another time. I just had a granddaughter born on Yom Kippur. Baruch Hashem, Bliayin Hara. Very grateful to Hashem. And I was told that it says somewhere, that a baby born on Yom Kippur is the first time the neshama came to this world. Because on Yom Kippur, God is judging all the neshamas that were here previously, so any baby born on Yom Kippur is a new neshama that's not been here yet. I don't know what the nafkamina is, but I'm sure there is one, and it's a beautiful idea. So the Ari says Gilgulim. The Ari, the mystic, did believe in reincarnation. And he said, do you know who Moshe Rabbeinu was a reincarnation of? Moshe ya Gilgul shal Noach. Moshe was a reincarnation of Noach. Now, why are there reincarnations in this world? Because there's something we have to repair, there's something we have to fix. We didn't get it done on our first time or our second time or our tenth time, and we have to keep coming back. You gotta come back as the lizard. Sometimes I see a lizard in shul, I say, that's somebody who didn't come to Minyan. <laughs> that lizard is camping out here and is still here because that's somebody who didn't come to Minyan. Now the lizard's gotta be trapped in shul. Nebuch, stuck here. Every Minyan, every drusha, every shear. That lizard, reincarnation. So why are we reincarnated for those who believe in it? Not everybody does. But why are we reincarnated? It's something to repair. So Moshe Rabbeinu was fixing something, was misaking something that Noah didn't do. What did he not do? So listen to what the Ari says. Amazing, I just saw this for the first time this morning. I never knew this before. Later, later the Jewish people make a terrible mistake. Several times. Moshe Rabbeinu stands up for them. He advocates, he lobbies. He doesn't only care about saving himself, he stands up to save them. And what does he threaten God after the, after the Chayta Egel? He says, look, you gotta forgive them. Because if you're not gonna forgive them, erase me from your book. 
I don't want any part of it. I don't want to be associated with it. Erase my name. Delete. Purge me from the book. I don't want to be connected from it. Erase me from the book if you're not going to forgive them. He stands up. Says the Ariya Kadosh, the word mecheni are the same letters as Mei Noach. Moshe was being masakin. Moshe was repairing and fixing what Noach had failed to do. Noach only davened for himself. Noach only cared about his well-being, his survival. Noach only worried about himself. Moshe, the reincarnation of Noach, says mecheni, Mei Noach. I'm standing up for the Jewish people. I'm standing up for Kla Yisrael. Don't do it again. Mecheni, Mei Noach. Moshe is the reincarnation of Noach. Last comment, then we go on from the first Pasuk. Meshechachma. We're going to share two Meshechachmas today. This is the first. The Heligar Meir Simcha of Dvinsk. Zok the Meshechachma. Says the Meshechachma. I'll read it to you. Nikra. He says the following. He quotes the Medrash. Amar Abrechia. Chaviv Moshe mi Noach. Who is more beloved? Who is greater? Moshe or Noach? Moshe, Chaviv Moshe mi Noach. Noach mishe nikra ish tzadik, nikra ish adama. Moshe mishe nikra ish mitzri, nikra ish elokim. They went in opposite directions. They went in opposite directions. We're introduced to Noach and he's called ish tzadik. He's a righteous person. And then how does it end up his story? He is responsible for saving the world. He climbs down from the Teva. He plants a vineyard, cracks open a bottle of wine, Merlot, Cab, I don't know, probably red wine. He didn't go for the white wine. And next thing you know, he's an Isha Adama. He's just a lowly person of the ground. He's a lowly person. He went the wrong direction. He started out Ish Tzadik. He ends up Ish Adama. Moshe Rabbeinu is introduced to us as Ish Mitzri. He's an Egyptian. And how does he end up? Ish Elohim. So you see Moshe's greater. So what does it mean? Listen to the Meshachach, the Meir Simcha Dvinsk. He says, There are two paths in the way that we serve God. You have the person who lives in retreat. You have the person who isolates themselves. You have the person who says, I just care about me. I make my minion. I do my learning. I'm only worried about my Dalat Amos. I'm worried about me. And you have the person who says, it's not about me. It's not about my growth. Not about my survival. It's about my serving the greater good. The community, the Klal Yisrael, the Jewish family, the Jewish people. And the person is willing to sacrifice. Person is willing to compromise. Person is willing to give because they care about the community. So you might have thought the person who isolates, who lives in retreat, who locks themselves in the base medrash, the person who says it's just about me, my davening, my learning, my growth, I'm not concerned. If I volunteer, if I give, if I do for others, then I'm going to be giving up for myself. Who's going to be greater? Who's going to be higher? Who's going to be loftier? Whose davening will be better? Whose learning will go further? I would have said it's the person in retreat, the person in isolation, the person who's focused on themselves. But no, it's the opposite. He only saved himself. He was worthy of being destroyed. He went from an Isha Tzadik to an Isha Dhamma. All he cared about was himself. Moshe selflessly serves Klal Yisrael. He gives up on so much of who he could have been. He wasn't home for his family. He was working, he was sacrificing, he was giving, he was building community. He ends up Isha Elohim, says the Meshachachmah. Unbelievable Meshachachma. Unbelievable. Two pads in serving Hashem, Moshe and Noah, and they end up going in opposite 
directions, opposite directions. Okay, so a lot more to say on that first pasuk, believe it or not, but we're going to go right there, we're going to go forward. Let's skip to Perak Tess, pasuk, Perak Tess, pasuk Zion. We're going to skip ahead, we all know the story about the decree of the flood, the dimensions of the flood, the Tzohar, the window in the, uh, in the Teva, the final call, it takes him, he's cut Neamuna, how long the rain fell, the animals that he puts into the ark, the fact that the Torah is careful about Lashon, Torah doesn't say the pure and the impure animal. What does the Torah say? The Tahor and the Enenatar, the one that is not pure. Torah used an extra word, gave up valuable real estate, even more expensive than Montoya Circle. Why? Why did it waste that space? Because the Torah is careful about language. We have to be careful about not using obscenity, profanity, inappropriate, impure language. We have to be very careful. And there's a lot more to say about that. The waters recede, everybody knows the story, sends out the raven, the dove, comes back, Noah climbs down, he descends, and he, and he plants the vineyard. But the Torah first repeats, first of all, Vayachal, Chulan, he turns himself into Chulan. A lot of strange things here. I'm on page 38. God speaks to Noah and he says, you, your wife, your kids, everybody disembark. Get off. It's time to get off. Same. Why does Noah need an instruction? A command. Say! Descend! Disembark! I don't know. If I'm on a cruise that goes on that long and it finally pulls up to port, nobody needs to tell me, get off. Have you ever sat in your seat in the plane? Everybody got off. You're still comfortably sitting there. The, the, the flight attendant has to tell you, please, sir, we need to turn over the plane. Ma'am, you're going to have to get off. Never in history. Second, you can get off. Everybody's elbowing, fighting. I mentioned a miracle in the sky. All the people who need the wheelchair to get on the plane, they can run marathons to be able to get off the plane. It's a miracle. If you have a problem with your legs, simply fly and it'll solve. You'll be healed in the sky. So nobody ever had the same in a table. Why does Noah need to be instructed? Why does Noah need to be told? Why does he need this? We're not going to get into All these animals get off. Noach, he descends. He builds an altar and he takes the holy animal. That's why the pure animals, how many of them were on the ark? There were two, male and female of the impure animals and seven of the pure animals because he needed enough to bring korbanos, to bring a sacrifice. God smells a good barbecue. Notice, it doesn't say God smelled an impossible burger. They're pretty good, but they're not near the real thing. A korban. We're talking a barbecue. It wasn't a veggie uh, tofu burger. It wasn't an impossible burger. It was the real deal. God says to his heart, I'm not going to curse the ground. I'm not, uh, I'm not destroying the world again. I'm not rebooting. I'm not doing a hard reset again. We're good. I'm, now I'm just throwing some questions at you. I'm not answering. But what about the aroma of the barbecue made God say? Why didn't God say, I'm not doing this again because I realize that it, the cards are stacked against men. It's unfair. It's an unfair fight. There's an impulse. There's an intuitiveness. There's a struggle. I'm not gonna, what, why is it? He smells the reach nichoach. Vayarach Hashem is reach. Hashem says, ooh, there's some steaks in the barbie. There's, a, there's some good barbecue going on. You know what? Noah knows how to grill? I'm not doing that again. <laughs> because he knows how to grill, he's a grill master. He knows how to barbecue? There's a good smell? 
you know what? I'm not going to do it again. What's the connection between the two? I leave that for you as a, as a question. But moving right along. Now the beginning of Perak Test, page 40, chapter 9, verse 1. God now gives a commandment. And he tells them, Noach, you're off the teva? Good job. You built it? You fed all these animals? The lion you got in a little altercation with? You lived with all that garbage? You lived in a dump? You did good. You saved the world. Now that you descended, I got a job for you. What's the job? I want you to propagate and promulgate and multiply. I want you to fill the world. Inhabit the world. I wiped the world out with the flood. We need to restock. It's time to restock, and it's up to you to restock. This is a mitzvah. Rashi says, I, didn't we have this already? Didn't we read this in last week's parsha? God already told Adam and Chava, go multiply, have lots of children, and conquer the world. Manipulate and conquer the world. Go study and understand the world. Go conquer it. Go conquer it. So why is it being repeated here? It's not only repeated here, by the way. Skip to Pasuk Zion. A third time. Three times. We had it in last week's parsha. Now Noach descends from the Teva. Long flight. You just landed. God says get to work. Fill the world. And then again. What's going on? Zakhtar Ashi. Pasuk Aleph. Says Rashi. Pasuk Zion. Rashi on Pasuk Zion. Lefipshutu Arishon Alevracha. The When he first got off the teva, it was a bracha. Sheva brachas. And please God, they're going to give me many eight o'clock. You're going to have a lot of children. You're going to fill the... That was a bracha. Now, it's a mitzvah. So the first time God mentions that he's given Noach a bracha, Noach should be gesund. You should be blessed. You should have many children. But now he tells Noach, get to work. Get to work. Now, there's an obligation to get to work. What is the connection? So Rashi says, this is connected to the Pasuk that comes just before. How is it connected to the Pasuk that comes just before? Look at what comes just before. Right before that, Pasuk Vav. God says, I destroyed the whole world, we started again. But you know the value of a human life? This is the prohibition of abortion. Back in the news, Roe versus Wade, Roe did her first interview. Her name is not, you know, she, she uh, revealed herself. And it's back in the news. So the Bnei Noach, Noachites, i.e. Gentiles, Jackie Mason would say, non-Jews are warned, are more Muzhar, have a greater prohibition on abortion even than Jews. The nature of the prohibition of abortion for non-Jews is even greater than Jews. And it comes from our parasha of Parshas Noach. And it comes from here. You could not have a clumsier Pasuk. You could not write that more poorly than the way the Pasuk appears. Chapter 9. Pasuk Vav, 6. Don't cheat. Don't look at the art scroll side. If I challenge you to translate that Pasuk, it's a tough Pasuk to translate. Tough Pasuk. Whoever sheds the blood of man by man shall his blood be shed. In the image of God he made man. And then, So Rashi was saying, following the prohibition of murder is multiply, i.e. abortion. Don't abort, multiply, bring those babies into fruition, into life. 75 million Americans who were aborted could have been born since abortion was legalized. 75 million in America were aborted. Who knows which one had the cure to cancer? 
That's not to say Judaism doesn't sometimes allow and even endorse abortion. There are circumstances. It's a complicated topic, not for now, but a mother's life is threatened, obviously. We say the mother's life supersedes. There are posts who allow other cases of incest or rape or severe mental illness and anguish. There are circumstances where abortion is permissible, and therefore we would be against any legislation that categorically outlaws abortion. That is not the Torah way. That is not the Torah way. But says Rashi, it's not coincidental that these two psukim are in succession. We have the prohibition of murder, followed by go be multiplied. Rav Hirsch expands on this. And Rav Hirsch says the following. Rav Hirsch expands on it and he says the following. Rav Hirsch says the theme of our Parsha is diversity and unity. Also happens to be the theme of our shul. But it's the theme of our Parsha. It's the nature of the rainbow. This is what he says. As for you, be fruitful and multiply. I'm reading Rav Hirsch. Swarm the earth and multiply. Hashem gave a special covenant, a special dispensation to the different climates and countries. It would accordingly be a description of a diversity and infinite variety of human races. And moreover, on the earth and by the earth under the influences of various lands. Noachinian mankind is given the mission to spread over the whole world and under the most diverse conditions and influence of climate and physical nature of the countries to become men and develop the one common real characteristic a diversity and a multiplicity which appeared to us in the above connection as Hashem's new plan for the world. The diversity is to balance the deficiency, to pave way, progress, the goal. By it, by it, the rainbow, our attention would repeatedly be directed to the fact that in spite of all the differences in the degree of human development, Hashem would never again decree the downfall of the whole human race. For in the rainbow, anything else but the one pure ray of light broken up in seven degrees of seven colors, and from one to the other, are they not all rays of light? Combined all together, do they not form one complete pure white ray? Could not this perhaps be meant to say the whole mankind, manifold variety of all living creatures, the whole variety of shades in which henceforth the purely human would show itself? God unites them all together in one common bond of peace, all fragments of one life, all refracted ray of the one spirit of Hashem, even the lowest, darkest, most distant one, still a son of the light. It's a beautiful image of what the significance of the rainbow, before the rainbow was taken from us. But the rainbow, what it stands for, is the diversity of the world and mankind. One ray of light comes in as God, and it is refracted in seven colors. Boker Ton Synagogue, 8, 9, Minyanim, Shabbos morning. There's one ray of light that comes into Montoya Circle, to Boker Ton Synagogue, the Ribona Shalom, and now Jews can look different and daven differently and have different needs. All one community, one ray of light, all refracted and deflected into different colors, our full diversity. That's Hashem's promise, His pledge. That is the sign and symbol, I'm not going to destroy the world again. Don't murder, don't kill, don't eliminate the people who are unlike you. Pru revu, multiply and diversify, just like your investment advisor is telling you. Diversify, multiply and diversify, says God. Now the Meshachachma wonders on this Pasuk. Here's our second Meshachachma of the day. The Meshachachma wonders on this Pasuk. And some of you may be wondering. The mitzvah Pururavu, upon whom is it incumbent? Who's obligated in Pururavu? The obligation to multiply. Gemari Yavamos has a big discussion how do you fulfill this mitzvah. We follow the opinion you need to have a son and a daughter. And in order to fulfill Pururavu, you have to have a son and a daughter. I give Chabura last Shabbos. What is the nature of this mitzvah? How do you define the shear, the measure of fulfilling the mitzvah? Is it the act, the effort to have children? Or is it the result? Is it actually having the children? It's bizarre to say it's having the children because we're not in control. We can only try, but we can't necessarily succeed. This is a big discussion. I don't want to get into that right now. But the Nimesha Chachma, our second of the day, Mary Simchat Vinsk wonders, why are women exempt from Pururavu? Women are not obligated. The mitzvah is on men. 
Now, yes, women are looking at me and they are correctly right in saying it's kind of hard to fulfill without them. Kind of a necessary part of the process. Maybe one day we will have an artificial incubator and in the laboratory we'll be able to mix the ingredients and have a period of gestation. But for now, we still need the women. So yet, even with that, they are exempt. Maybe they're obligated in a separate corollary mitzvah called Sheves, La Sheves, but proper, the mitzvah itself, women are exempt. Why are they exempt? Why are they exempt? So listen to the Meshech Chachma. He says, Lo kulomar hasha patra Torah nashim perivarivya v'chayva rak b'nashim ki mishpate Hashem v'drachav darchei noam v'chom n'sivoseh shalom. Hashem's Torah is all about improving our life, enriching our life, making our life more pleasurable, more elevated, more uplifted. So there's no mitzvah in the Torah the Torah will never command us to do something painful. Torah is there for pleasure, for beauty, to be uplifted. God will not make a tzivoy a commandment. So we, you'll say, what do you mean, Yom Kippur? Torah doesn't ever want me to suffer. Torah doesn't ever want me to have pain, discomfort. What about Yom Kippur? Says with Meshach yeah, there's Yom Kippur. But you know what the day before Yom Kippur is? It's a mitzvah to eat the whole day. First of all, it doesn't kill us to not eat for one day. One can argue that's also for our greater good, namely our health. But most of us have some good backup that will sustain us for that day. We're okay. But the Torah precedes the day that we're told we have to fast by giving us a mitzvah to eat. Why? Because the Torah will never obligate us in something painful. So on and so forth. So he says that's why women are exempt from peruvil, because the Torah would never obligate a woman to do something painful. So it obligates her husband, and it needs her to be involved. It's true, but there's not a direct sivu. She shouldn't relate to God that God, you're commanding me. You're commanding me. It's incredibly painful. The Ramban writes when a woman gives birth in Parshas Tazria. The Ramban writes that when a woman brings a korban, why does she have to bring a sacrifice after giving birth? The Ramban writes, you know why? Because when she was in labor, lying there on the table, she was cursing her husband, she was cursing God, she was cursing everybody on the world, everybody. My daughter who just gave birth on Yom Kippur came home and said to my wife, I don't know how you did that seven times. I'm not sure I could do that ever again. And the Ramban writes that the woman on the birthing table promises and pledges she's not doing it again. That's before epidurals. That's before epidurals. Now epidurals, she gets angry at me for saying this, but. And the minog in our family is to get the epidural when the second line comes back on the pregnancy test. That's when you get the epidural. Oh, second line, I'm pregnant? Schedule the epidural. I'm not minimizing, blame Chava, it's not my fault. She's the one who gave, the, gave us the apple. So um, the Ramban says that the woman, I'm never doing that again, this is unbearably painful. So imagine she's lying there, this is unbearably painful, cursing my husband and God commanded me to endure this pain. God wanted me to go through this pain, says the Meshachachma, that's why women are not obligated. Interesting, I submit it to you for your careful consideration. Okay, there's a cloud. What is the significance, sorry, of the rainbow in the cloud? So we saw Rav Hirsch. One interpretation of the rainbow we saw was from Rav Hirsch. Rabbi Salavechik has another. And then Rabbi Salavechik Chumash, he suggests the following. Although the Torah describes Noah as righteous, Hashem did not establish a bris with him and his descendants as he did with Avram. Noah's shortcoming was that he did not pray for his contemporaries destined to die in the flood because he could not perceive the potential good for within them. It's not only that Noah didn't believe in himself. Who else did Noah not believe in? Everybody else. Everybody else. 
He didn't believe they were redeemable. How many of us write off people and say they're not redeemable? Members of our family, friends, acquaintances, community members. We think they're irredeemable. We write them off. Noah wrote off his whole generation. And that's why God wrote him off. God invested in Avram because Avram fought for stone. Avram went so far as to not even write off stone. But not Noah. Noah wrote off his generation. God wrote him off. Noah did not see the potential within man. Noah's behavior contrasts with Avram, who interceded on behalf of stone. After the flood, Noah was shown the rainbow within the cloud. What does the Pasuk say? I'm on Pasuk. Perak test Pasuk design. It's not God just showed a rainbow. He showed a rainbow where? In the cloud. Why not just show a rainbow? Why was the rainbow in the cloud? Listen to the Rav. To demonstrate that even though it may appear that certain corrupt souls have no potential for good, it's untrue. Hashem revealed the rainbow to Noah as an object lesson. Within every dark cloud, there's a possibility of seeing a rainbow full of color. Isn't that beautiful? Within the dark cloud, there's the beauty of a rainbow. The Gemara Ksubis, Ayin Zayin, records a conversation with Shem Barichai asked Rabbi Shua ben Levi if a rainbow was ever seen in Rabbi Shua's lifetime. When he answered affirmatively, Shem Barichai declared, if so, you are not worthy of the proclamation of Eliyahu and Avi. Make way for Ben Levi. Shimon argued that had Rabbi Yeshua been worthy, Hashem would not need to cause a rainbow to appear. Rabbi Yeshua would have perceived mankind's hidden potential on its own. So when you see a rainbow, what you should think is not that God wanted to destroy the world, but right now he chose not to. I wouldn't blame God if he wanted to right now. Maybe he, to a certain degree, is. We hope and pray that he stops. But when you see the rainbow, don't say, oh, it means God wants to destroy the world right now, but he's holding himself back. Say, God is reminding me that even though there's a dark cloud, there's a possibility of a rainbow in it. People are redeemable. People change and grow. We can be, we can be better. We can be better. Vayachal Noach. Noach climbs down. What does he do? Plants a vineyard. Hold on one second. I just want to get through a couple more things. We're almost out of time. I'm happy to take questions afterwards for those who are in here. If you're not here, I can't take your questions. Vayachal Noach. Isha Adama Vayita Karam. Noach Vayachal, Rashi says, Lashon Chulin, he profaned himself, he made himself secular. He went from being Kodesh, being holy, to being Chulin, Chol, to being secular and profane. How? Because he plants a vineyard, he grows some wine. And let me ask you a very simple question. Is there anyone in the history of the world who deserved the Lachayim more than Noach? Could we have done what Noach just did? We can't make it through a three-day yontif. Right? We struggle to get through young kids from school, from Sukkot to finally yesterday, they're back in school. It's unbelievable. Now lock yourself in a... Right? We just, we've experienced quarantine. We know what Noah went through. Remember at the beginning of it when we thought quarantine had to be 14 days? And it was like the greatest prison sentence torture of all time? 14 days and I can't go out and I can't experience and I can't interact. There were parts of it that were great. Noah, a lot longer than that with a floor filled with animals, a floor filled with refuse and garbage, children feeding everybody. Has anyone ever deserved a lachayim more than Noah? And the Torah here is ripping Noah, Vayachal Noah Ishad. He's an Ishadama. He finished work, feeding these animals, surviving these animals, saving the world. And when he finished saving the world, he can't have a lachayim? Can't have a glass of wine? Why? What did he do so wrong? Why are we being so critical of him? So the Sefer Kovetz Parshios, Sefer Kovetz Parshios says, the issue was, the issue was the following. What's wrong with planting a vineyard? 
Is wine not part of every Jewish experience? A bris, a pidyon, a ben, under the chuppah, kiddush, Friday night, yantif, benching, sheva, brachas. Is wine not central to Jewish ritual, ceremony, and experience? Who are we to be so critical of Noach when we embrace the role of wine? And here we're telling Noach he's so wrong. Noach haya avala kol olam. Imken kedei lenachim is atzma hu karim. He tried to comfort himself. He was mourning and grieving the loss of the whole world the way he knew it. So what did he do? He tried to escape. He tried to use alcohol to numb himself to the pain of the world. Pasuk says in Mishlei, nefesh. We give wine to somebody who's bitter, who's miserable, who's negative, who's depressed. So, okay, so he was depressed. He was down and out. He had reason to grieve and be sad. So what's so bad about having al chaim? So says the Kovitz Parshios, Noach ra olam shahaya v'charav. Because Noah was right to feel sad and bad. But you know what? This wasn't the time to grieve. You know what it was the time for? To build. Did we not just see that a century ago? When the Holocaust survivors, heroes, who had every reason and right in the world to sit and have a l'chaim, and say, you know what? I'm turning inwards. I'm depressed, I'm sad, I'm mourning, I'm grieving. Good luck to the world, I'm done with it. What did they do instead? It's time to build. It's time to rebuild institutions, families. They rebuilt, they rebuilt. They went through a churban, and Noah went through a churban. They witnessed a world that was destroyed. You could see a world that's destroyed and go into a room and just drink yourself into oblivion, or you could see a world which was destroyed and be committed to rebuild. That Noah was not committed to rebuild, and that's why we're critical of Noah. Revolba says the same thing. Revolba says, Vayachal Noah, Vayachal Noah. He should have planted wheat, Rashi writes. He should have planted some other more essential food. What did he plant instead? Grapes. The criticism, says Revolba, is not that he planted grapes and made wine. He was entitled to a l'chaim. The problem was the order that he did it. This is like, oh, it's so much more I wanted to say. Anyone willing to stay a couple more hours? I had such more I wanted to say. We'll give you another granola bar. <laughs> if we feed you another granola bar, will you stay? So Rashi says, the challenge, the issue was that Noah planted in the wrong order. Planted in the wrong order. Should have planted wheat. And only then wine. In other words, he skipped over the essential and he went to the luxury. So Revolba says that that we can't skip the essential to go for the luxury. We gotta get on schedule, we have to live with Seder, we have to know what's important. I, I know people, sadly, who are on tuition assistance and can't pay their full shul dues and need help from family, but their alcohol collection and their smoking briskets, the cost of which you can't compete with, we have to learn from Noach. Nothing wrong with a glass of wine within your budget and in the right order. First you plant the wheat rot, she says, and then you plant the vineyard. Make sure you have a roof over your head, you take care of your family. Ish, be a mensch, man up, man up. Take care of your expenses, live within your means, be responsible, and only, and only then. We're gonna have to end here, but I'll give you some, some little tasters of where we were going. Hava nivna lanu ir, migdal bavel. We didn't talk about migdal bavel, those who wanted to build a tower to compete with God, to ascend into the heavens. Banu b'nei Adam, and when God comes down, first of all, why does it say God came down in order to punish them? He can't punish them from up there? He has to come down, he has to descend to see them? 
What lesson do we learn from the fact that God descended and came down in order to see them and only punish them down here? And when God punishes, Perak Yedalaf Pasakei, Perak Yedalaf Pasakei, it says, God comes down and He punishes them. What did they do wrong? God says, let me check it out. They think they can compete with me? They built a tower? Let me come down and check it out. Let me see the tower, Asher Banu Bnei Ha'adam. The children of Adam made. Adam here means human beings, or literally Adam as in Adam, as in the first person. Who is Adam? And why is God referencing Adam? What's his role here? And why does he need to come down in order to be able to, in order to be able to see? And why does God say in Yudal Vav, they were one language, I'm going to spread them everywhere. Pasuk Zion. Hava nerda vinavlasham svasam. Let's go down and disperse them everywhere. Nerda, not erda, not I will go down with the nun. What does the nun mean? Let us in the plural go down. Who's God talking to? To whom is he addressing that? Nerda, let us go. Why is God saying it in the plural rather than the singular? A lot more to talk about. But, Shechiyana v'kimanu, how amazing it is to be back in person. Thank you for coming. It's great to be together. Women are invited tomorrow for living with Emuna. Next week's Parsha Shir. Let's continue to fill up in person for all those who feel safe and well. Wishing you a great day. Stay happy, stay healthy, and stay holy.